The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 21st, 2020, on the basis of verses from Matthew chapters 9 and 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. You've maybe heard that old proverb before. Even if you haven't, it isn't all that difficult to understand, right? If, if you see someone in need and you provide for them, sure, that's nice. But if you see someone in need and you teach them to provide for themselves, well, that's far better. It might be tempting for us to think that that old proverb rings true, not just when it comes to our physical needs, but when it comes to our spiritual needs as well. For example, when children are very young, the adults and the parents who, of course, love them very much, simply provide for them what they need spiritually. We bring them to be baptized. We sit them on our laps and read them Bible stories. We get them in the car each and every Sunday, and we bring them here to church. But as they grow older, we, of course, also want them to learn to provide for themselves. We want them to go to church every Sunday and read their Bibles and say their prayers, not because we are spoon-feeding those things to them, but because at some point they know how to feed themselves. Now, none of that is untrue. It is, however, incomplete. You see, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how we as Christians are better together, how God's design for us as Christians was never that we would be stranded all by ourselves as if our spiritual survival was some kind of solo sport. Instead, he has woven us together into this beautiful fabric, this beautiful community called the church. But when you think about that old proverb, fishing very much can be a solo sport. Sure, you can do it with someone else, but you can just as easily do it by yourself. In fact, one reason some people really like to fish is because it gives them time by themselves. And so if when it comes to our spiritual needs, it's simply a matter of us learning how to feed ourselves, learning how to fish for ourselves, then we might be tempted to think that that is something that we can do better, not together, but actually alone. That's why Jesus isn't going to be talking in these verses about fishing. He is going to be talking to us about he, how he provides for each and every one of our spiritual needs, but he's not going to talk about how he himself simply provides those needs directly. He's not going to be talking about how he teaches us to provide for ourselves. Instead, he does one better, and he does so by using a completely different analogy. He talks about how he sends people into our lives to provide for us, to deliver to us those things that Jesus has himself provided in limitless supply. As we look at these verses from Matthew 9 and 10 this morning, we're going to see that when you really love sheep, you provide them with shepherds. That's the picture Jesus uses, not one of fish and fishing, but one of sheep 
and shepherding. Matthew tells us that Jesus was going throughout all the towns and villages of northern Israel up in Galilee, and he was preaching and teaching. He was healing and curing. We might say he was giving people fish. He was providing what they needed directly himself, and it sure sounds nice. But then we realized that Jesus realized that as he looked at those people, he knew that they needed something far more than that. Matthew tells us, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus didn't see these people as people who simply needed to learn how to fish. He saw them as sheep who needed a shepherd, as sheep who were without a shepherd. And as a result, these people were doing what sheep inevitably do. They wander off on a path of their own choosing, a path that inevitably is full of thorns and thistles and narrow passes and sharp rocks. And as a result, they inevitably suffer scrapes and scratches and bumps and bruises and all kinds of other harm to themselves. And then those sheep, inevitably, when they get tired, rather than making their way back to the safety of the flock, they just lie down to rest wherever they are, out in the open, easy prey for any foe. That's how Jesus sees these crowds of people. And that's not even a criticism. It's simply an assessment. Jesus isn't pointing out a problem with the sheep. He's instead pointing out an opportunity for his disciples. That's why Jesus shifts gears very quickly and uses another metaphor, another figure of speech. He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So a bunch of sheep without a shepherd are sort of like a field of ripe golden grain that is just ready to be brought in. That isn't true of fish, by the way. When fish are in the water, they're in their natural environment. They're in their home. That's where they belong. But a field of ripe golden grain is not meant to just be left out there to wither and rot. Instead, it's meant to be brought in. And in the very same way, sheep without a shepherd are not meant to just be left to wander aimlessly wherever they want. They are not meant to be left to lie down and rest out in the open and unprotected. They are meant to be brought in. Sheep are designed to flourish in a flock. So let me ask, when you look at people, do you see them the way that Jesus did? And by people, I first of all mean yourself. If you've been following the news much lately, you've maybe heard of this place, this new place in our country called Chaz. I guess it's called CHOP now, but at first it was called Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, this little part of the city of Seattle where a group of people have decided that they can be self-ruling, that they can be autonomous. They don't need our nation's government. They don't need law enforcement officials. They don't need walls and borders and economic systems. They're just fine all by themselves. Now, say what you want about a social experiment like that. The reason I bring it up is because there is at least a part of each and every one of us that wants to run an experiment just like that when it comes to our spiritual needs. 
that wants to be autonomous, that wants to think that we don't need anyone or anything, that we don't need any sort of religious institution, that we don't need any sort of spiritual oversight or accountability, that thinks that we can do just fine all by ourselves. We know how to read. We can open up our Bibles and see what they say. We can wade through the endless menu of spiritual content that is available in our world today, and we can decide what is healthy versus what is toxic. In fact, maybe this time of isolation has sort of allowed that part of us, a little bit of room to breathe and room to grow. And maybe we've even thought to ourselves at times that what we did back in the months of April and May, wouldn't that be great if we could just do that all the time? that from the comfort of our own home, sitting on our couches, we could have access not just to our church, but to every church in the world, right there at the tip of our fingers. It is so easy to view ourselves and to view our spiritual needs in terms of viewing ourselves as people who just need to learn or who have already been taught, have already learned how to fish, rather than to view ourselves as Jesus does, as sheep who are designed to flourish in a flock. When you look at people, do you look at them the way that Jesus does? And now what about others? When you see other people who have gone off on their own path, who have strayed from the flock, or maybe who were never really part of it to begin with, well, it sure is easy to see them as Jesus didn't and to do as Jesus didn't, to complain about them, to criticize them, to condemn them. Jesus didn't do any of those things. Instead, he had compassion on them. As he viewed those crowds of people, he saw them as a ripe golden field just waiting and ready to be brought in. And so it's no wonder that he told his disciples to ask God not to take that field and plow it under, not to take that field and burn it to the ground, but to take that field and to send workers out into that field to bring that harvest in. Jesus knows that sheep are designed to flourish in a flock, and Jesus demonstrates that because he loves those sheep, he provides them with shepherds. Now, this might be one of those situations where we'd be tempted to think that this is an example where maybe the cure or the solution is even worse than the problem. Institutions and authorities are sort of dirty words in our world these days. People's confidence in them, in general, is eroding. And that is certainly true of religious institutions like churches and spiritual authorities like full-time professional clergy. And so sure, maybe sheep sort of struggle a little bit when they're off all by themselves, but maybe Maybe it's better than the alternative. That's why Jesus has some very important things to say to these shepherds before he sends them out to tend his flock. Jesus, first of all, says this. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So first Jesus tells them where to go. He doesn't let them decide for themselves the specific flock of sheep that they will tend. He tells them where to go. He says, don't go among the Gentiles, don't go among the Samaritans. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, eventually Jesus would send these disciples out to all nations on earth. But for now, he says, go only to the lost sheep of Israel. So he tells them where to go. 
And then he tells them what to do. Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. All of those activities should sound very familiar because those are exactly the things that Jesus had been doing for these people. Jesus was telling his disciples simply to do what he had already been doing. Their work with the flock was simply an extension of his work with the flock. In fact, Jesus summarizes the details of his plan with this general principle. He says, freely you have received, freely give. So the shepherds don't get to decide for themselves how to best care for the flock. Instead, shepherds are sent to give that which they have already received. I got to tell you, as, as someone who is a shepherd of a flock of Jesus' sheep, I sure am thankful for these words. First of all, that Jesus tells shepherds where to go, that he tells them which flock they are to shepherd. Some of you are aware that right now we're in the process of moving, that we've bought a new house that's about half a mile away from where our current house is. And it's been interesting to hear more than a few people say, well, I, I guess this means you're going to be in Mount Horeb for quite a bit longer if you're, if you're diving into a new house. And I can certainly understand why people would say that. But the reality is that the amount of time a shepherd spends with a flock is determined by something far more important than that. Jesus tells the shepherd where to go. Jesus gives the shepherd a specific flock. Now, as you know, there are some times when Jesus uses a flock to say to a shepherd, hey, we'd like you to at least consider coming over to this flock and being our shepherd over here, and that may happen again. But I can tell you for sure what won't happen. The shepherd will never look around and think to himself whether or not it would be nice to be shepherd of a different flock. It might be easy at times for the sheep to think that the grass is always greener on the other side. And in the same way, it might be tempting for a shepherd at times to think that the flock is always, well, what, nicer, happier, more talented, more supportive, whatever the case might be somewhere else. But Jesus doesn't leave shepherds that option. He tells them where to go. And then he also tells them what to do. As I look at these verses, it occurs to me that I might have the simplest job description in all the world. To take what Jesus has so freely given to me and to share it with you. Unlike these 12 apostles, I have not been given the ability to cure diseases or drive out demons or raise dead people back to life. Sorry to disappoint you if you thought that maybe that was the case. But just like these 12 disciples of Jesus, I have been given good news about the kingdom of God. Good news about a good shepherd who looks out at a flock of wandering sheep and rather than condemning them, has compassion on them. A shepherd who loved those sheep so much that he was willing to lay down his life for them. A shepherd who by laying down his life and taking it back up again has rescued those sheep from all of the messes that they have wandered into in the course of their lives. A shepherd who still seeks them out, each and every one, whenever they wander off. A shepherd who knows each sheep by name, who loves each sheep the same, 
who cares for his sheep and wants nothing more for those sheep than for them to make it safely to the eternal pastures of heaven. That's what I have received from my good shepherd freely, without having to pay for it, without having to earn it, without having to otherwise prove myself worthy of it. And so that is the very thing that I then turn around and share with you just as freely. Shepherds are sent to give what they first have received. I sure am thankful for these words about shepherds. And you should be too. For starters, if I have the simplest job description in all the world, then you have the simplest possible way to determine whether or not I'm actually doing my job. Far from this leaving sheep as sort of the helpless victims of a shepherd who might turn out to be self-serving or domineering, Jesus gives sheep a very simple way to determine whether or not their shepherds are doing their jobs and, as a result, whether or not those sheep want to stay under that shepherd's spiritual care. Not only that, but even though these words might most directly apply to what we might call full-time shepherds of Christ's flock, the principles that Jesus talks about very much do apply to each and every one of us. Even though our roles may be different, we are all workers in this big, beautiful harvest field. And as you think about the work that you have opportunity to do, you don't need to wonder where you need to go, how far you need to travel, what people you need to meet in order to carry out that work. Jesus has already sent you to that place and to that people, to those people. So as you think about the work that you have opportunity to do, you don't need to leave to go find that work. You just need to look, and you will see it. Trust me, you will see it. And when you do, what can you do? Well, exactly what Jesus says. Simply share what you have been given. Jesus never tells us to do something that we cannot do. He never sends us to give something that we have not first received. No matter who, no matter where, no matter what, you can simply share what you first have been given, whether that is something that still feels very small and is just getting started, or whether it's something that has been growing and growing and getting bigger your whole life long. As you come across a sheep who is without a flock, as you come across another stalk in that ripe golden field of grain, simply share what you have first received. Do you see how in these verses Jesus does exactly what someone would do, who first of all understands and then second of all loves people? Jesus understands that sheep are designed to flourish in a flock, and because that is the case, because he loves them, he provides them with shepherds. And by doing so, he doesn't just feed them for a day. He doesn't just even feed them for a lifetime. By sending those shepherds to simply deliver what Jesus himself provides, Jesus gives those sheep everything that they need to make it to those pastures of heaven. And there, he himself will shepherd them for all eternity. Amen.